Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Welcome to Kith and Tell, the podcast that started as a harebrained idea to rank all existing Kids in the Hall episodes, but descended into chaos. We'll be reviewing every episode with witty banter and unmissable segments like God, this is so Canadian, and Kids say the fucking darndest things. I am joined by Han Seidemann in Prince Rupert, Canada. Hello, hello. And our good friends Trevor Record and Stuart Dara Kotick. <laughs> if I pronounce that correctly... In Vancouver. By the end of this series, we'll be all very familiar with Stuart Derricotic's pronunciation. My last name is in big, bold letters in a different font on this. We'll get them. <laughs> and it's still like, everyone hesitates when they get close to the cliff that is my last name. It's imposing. Oh, it's only going to get worse every time. All right, so let's kick off with our sketch rundown. We have got... Mark McKinney and Scott Thompson as teen girls freaking out over the fact that they called each other at the exact same time. (laughs) (laughs) Then we round off into the introduction of Mark McKinney's I'm Crushing Your Head Guy. A ballerina sketch then where Mark McKinney, as a posh ballet school teacher, pretends that clumsy and piggish Kevin McDonald is actually top of the class. Uh, Then we have Bruce McCullough being the cause of cancer as called out by Dave Foley, followed by a surreal and reoccurring dream within a dream that Scott Thompson has about a pair. <laughs> we then have The Eradicator, where Dave McCullough is a masked, over-the-top squash player. Uh, and then something that's going to be the topic of our first segment, uh, Mark McKinney as a blue sky named Mississippi Gary, who is heartbroken over Dave McCullough's character, Kathy with a K. And this is all, of course, bookended by Mark McKinney uh, doing another of his head-crushing skits, poignantly done to a kid who wants to be a businessman. So we're going to dive right into a segment we like to call uh, Does This Hold Up? where we talk about a problematic or edgy skit to see if, on balance, it still works or is acceptable today. And yes, this is about Mark McKinney's character, uh, the aforementioned blues man named Mississippi Gary. Um, but what gets you rattled right off the bat is that he's using some awful brown makeup to darken his skin and is essentially using blackface. And this is not what we were hoping to have to discuss in our episode one review and want to make it clear that in no way is blackface in any capacity acceptable. Full stop, it it wasn't then and, and it isn't now. Um, we thought it was worth discussing this segment uh, because, spoiler, this character is revisited later on and it seems the kids, or at least Mark himself, becomes aware that they have made a mistake in playing Mississippi Gary this way uh, and, and revisit it. Yeah, as mentioned later on. So um, let me set the scene. Uh, Mississippi Gary is sat uh, in, a, in a dark room with a sort of a backing band playing the harmonica and uh, launches into a diatribe about his, how his heart was broken by a mean, mean woman, another recurring character named Kathy with a K, played by Bruce McCullough. And we, in turns, get both sides of the story about what went wrong in their relationship. So with all of that in mind, uh, Trevor, why don't you kick us off? No, I I don't think that it really holds up, but I think it's kind of tragic because the skit is kind of like a funny premise, you know, like where the subject of the uh, blues of a blues man kind of responds to his complaints. Um, 
But it, the blackface adds absolutely nothing to the skit. It, it's just making it worse to watch as a modern like audience. So no, I, I don't think it, it holds up. Yeah, Trevor, I, th- I think you got it right. I really, really want this sketch to hold up, but I, I agree. I don't think it does in that, and, and you, you've nailed it in that the sketch works really well. Like the, the premise that you get to hear the other side of this blues story, and it's just this totally wonderful lady, Kathy with a K, who's got her faults, and, and, and that that is somehow the cause for all this over-the-top, you know, melodramatic blues banter is such a perfect premise, and I want the sketch to, to, to just rest on that, and it really doesn't need the blackface, and it's so sad that it kind of spoils what is otherwise just a, a, beautiful, uh, a beautiful sketch. So, uh, so I, think, I hope that they learn their lesson in later episodes. I think they do, but uh, it doesn't really excuse the miss on this first attempt, I don't think. Uh, you're totally wrong. They do not learn their lesson, and they do it like a bunch of times again. <laughs> it's super uncomfortable, and it's completely superfluous, and it's bad and unnecessary, but the skit is really funny, uh, and I think that the, like, in some ways, I think it is funnier in a really dark, like, Kaufman-esque way. But it's very strange and definitely problematic. The, the, this skit came out of the era of, like, Lon Don Duck. Like, I don't think that this was meta-humor. This was just blackface, though. And I'm curious as to whether... At that time, were comedians still using blackface? You know, this is like late 80s, early 90s. Like, even to me, that seems pretty late. You know, like, I definitely think it was. Like, one thing I've always heard um, about a lot of, like, um, character actors that were on Seinfeld that were playing people of different races was they were talking about how Jerry Seinfeld would instruct them to play up ridiculous accents just because people thought that was really funny. You know, yeah. but they did though. Like Soup Nazi is still a recognizable bit, and that- I, I think something that's <laughs> worth noting is that I mean, it, it goes. With, it should go without saying. Maybe I mean, we're all we're all a bunch of white people, and so we're we're able to kind of conveniently ignore that it's a dude in blackface when when you're not looking for it, right? So for us, it's we're we're kind of quote unquote lucky that we can still find it funny. Um, I totally would get it if 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 it didn't land for someone because of because of the blackface and mm-hmm. and. That is a, an absolutely valid uh, response totally. to the sketch, but so um, I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know if I've got a point there. But <laughs> thank you for making that note. All right, so let's move on to our second segment, and I think it's time to debate the standout sketch. So this was a really Mark McKinney heavy episode, and while he was my pick for best standout sketch, he wasn't exactly the star. So you know, my vote obviously goes to ballet school. Um, this was you know in part because of Kevin McDonald's physical and uh, immature comedy at its finest. But, you know, if, if it wasn't for Mark McKinney, it could have fallen flat. I'm giving it to crushing your head. Uh, I was talking about it a lot last episode, um, and I think that maybe I'm giving it to this as, like, part nostalgia, but also part, like, understanding, like, there there's something very unique and weird about the sketch. Um, it's not going to take us by surprise now because we've known about it for, like, 25 years now but the first time I saw it I was probably like seven and I laughed so hard I was crying and couldn't breathe and obviously ran around school like doing it myself like that's how funny this was it was maybe the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life when I first saw it I'm gonna be honest with you this is kind of a tepid episode for me uh I I for some reason really like the cold open it's really simple it's really short, but I think it says a lot about kids in the hall and about Canadianness. It's just mm. like kind of charming yeah. and sets the tone for the series and the episode really well. Um, Head Crusher, as Trevor mm-hmm. said, is really good. I, we all laughed at Head Crusher. 
Uh, I kind of like the first half of the Eradicator sketch, but I think that they start running into some of the minefields of um, the trope of normies are boring, isn't that funny? <laughs> and I think they, they come across that a couple times in the series. Um, if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with Kalina and say Ballet School. I think it, it, sh- it, it shows off their wackiness, and they have that awesome twist at the end, and it, it shows off their surrealism that it's just like, yeah, they're just doing it just because to be jerks, I guess. Like, it doesn't, you don't have to understand. It's just funny. Yeah, when I ranked these, uh, so I had Mississippi Gary ranked highest, but with like a big asterisk next to it in bold, and it was like three <laughs> fonts larger. Um, you know, it, it, you know, for all the reasons we talked about, it's not appropriate to do blackface. It wasn't appropriate back then to do blackface, but the construction of the sketch is just so good. And if you can, if you're able to delude yourself into believing that he's just tanned, um, which admittedly is a really big ask, uh, uh, then it's it's the best of the batch. But, um, you know, since that's probably unrealistic for a lot of people and, and even myself, um, then definitely ballet school. I think uh, ballet school has Kevin doing what he does best with the physical comedy. Um, I love the premise that there's just this cruel school teacher who's just toying with two young girls for a laugh. And, uh, you know, not to spoil anything, but my favorite line of the whole episode is the, is the actual <laughs> young girl asking, may I cry at the end is just, that's just such a delightful kicker line. So, all right, well, that perfectly moves us into our third segment, uh, something we like to call kids say the fucking darndest things where we share a breakout quote from the episode. Uh, mine definitely comes from, uh, my favorite Kevin standout ballet sketch, uh, where Mark McKinney as the British ballet teacher is talking to the perfectionist students saying, now Marla, I know that you may think that Nicole is clumsy and without skill, but I must tell you that unless you have the dance in your heart, skill and technique are useless things to a dancer. And in perfect Kevin fashion, he replies saying, ah, it's the same with bowling. (laughs) (laughs) Kalina, I can't unhear how much Kevin is in you. It's the same with bowling. And I'm like, I've heard you say that to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. Uh, Stu, what stood out for you as your best fucking quote? Honestly, my best fucking quote is that moment where Bruce McCullough comes out and he goes, I'm sorry I caused all that cancer. (laughs) Good Bruce. (laughs) Good Bruce. (laughs) It's a good Bruce, yeah. (laughs) Stu, what I like about that line, too, is it's like very much a Bruce kind of thing where it's, he's kind of still got that teenager-y attitude I was talking about. Like, Andrew, where it's like, Dave, Dave made him say this, you know? Where he's like, ah, yeah. sorry I caused all that cancer. Forced to go up to the till and return the candy that he stole and he's apologizing for cancer <laughs> while he's at it. I love that. And so one of the few times that like it works with Dave's kind of meta, above-it-all attitude and Bruce's toe-in-the-dirt teenage thing and it just, it, they just nail it together. It's a fun little fusion. And Trevor, what was your favorite quote? You know, I'm going to say, like, generally, because I'm the one really gunning for, like, Head Crusher, despite it being overused as the series goes on, being, like, just this genius, genius piece of comedy. Like, it's just, you know, like, generally every fucking thing he says is hilarious. And I really love the part where, like, he's crushed this little boy's head and he's just, like, so sad that he, in his mind, murdered a little boy. <laughs> That's so dark! It is have, very dark. You don't have to crush every head. You don't have, Not everyone. Just maybe 99.99999% of them. Not the kids. <laughs> What's so perfect about that, though, is it wasn't that he was having his head crushed because he was a kid, but because that kid wanted to be a fucking 
fucking businessman. <laughs> yeah, that very important distinction there. And what about you, Hans? Um, I mean, I, I definitely spoiled it earlier. For me, it's a rare instant where the best line isn't delivered by a kid. Uh, and it's the, the little girl saying, may I cry at the end of the <laughs> ballet scene that stole it from me. Um, I mean, if I have to give it to an actual <laughs> kid, it would also be from that, uh, that sketch, though. It would be uh, Kevin saying, Ballet and snacks, my two passions. Uh, which really, really made me lose it as a former dancer for whom that has never been true for any dancer I have ever met. So, um, so let's finish off with what is going to definitely be a reoccurring segment throughout this podcast, uh, which is best and worst kid. Trevor, kick us off. Uh, you know, I'd give it like a toss-up between Mark McKinney and Kevin, probably leaning towards Mark, though. He knocks everything out of the park here for, like, best kid. Um, harder call for, like, worst kid. I don't know if anyone does anything that really pisses me off here. We don't get a lot of Scott or Dave in this episode, though. So, I, you know, maybe one of them would be the worst kid. Not through any fault of their own, though. What about you, Hans? Uh, for I, I disagree with Trevor in that I think there's a clear worst in this episode, and it's Dave. And and I think it's Dave because he just looks like such a dummy in that suit when he's when he's getting mad at Bruce <laughs> for giving everyone cancer. I don't, I don't, it just ang- it angered me how dummy he looked. It was there. the '90s. Uh, I, I will say, like as an adult watching Kids in the Hall. <laughs> Whenever Dave is in a suit, he does just look like a little boy playing dress up in his dad's he suit. He looks like he looks like three <laughs> boys stacked on each other's shoulders all the time. <laughs> um, so Sean Morgan Anderson, three tall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so Dave gets a clear worst for me, um, and then you know I think Mark gets top marks just for on the the strength of the ballet sketch alone. So and Stu, who was your standout kid? I hope that Dave Foley yells at us on Twitter because we deserve it. I think Dave was the worst. I'm watching it again. His, like, kind of constant fourth wall breaking is just grating. I mean, maybe it was hot shit to point out the fact that you were in a TV show in the 90s. It just does not work now. I think Mark sells it the most and is the standout. He crushes heads for God's sake. I mean, this episode would have made you think... I think in some capacity that Mark was the star of the troupe, if not for effort, then at least for his exposure in the sketches. And I mean, if I wasn't paying attention, though, I I wouldn't have noticed um, that he had played this range of characters because he just really held them up all so well. Um, obviously, with the big, big caveat of uh, black-faced Mississippi Gary, which is a big, big point against him. <laughs> But we haven't actually talked about how bad the Eradicator was. Uh, It just went on for so long. (laughs) So long. And, you know, maybe if it had been a third of the length, I would have been okay with it. But, like, as it stood, it just really made me hate Bruce. Oh. There'll be time to love Bruce later in the series, don't worry. (laughs) He will redeem himself. You know, like, I I will say, like, even though he's my favorite kid, sometimes, like, Bruce's characters are a bit samey and the eradicator is like a worse version of some of the other characters he does later on i like to imagine that bruce almost the character are one maladjusted person through various points <laughs> in his life <laughs> much like the eradicator yeah. i think bruce will climb our rankings as the season goes on <laughs> i can totally believe that all right well that's it for episode one Join us next week for episode two, which will be hosted by none other than Trevor Record. See you then. Bye. 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 Bye.